Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the mindful executive. Gerald admitted the incident had happened. He admitted he'd tossed a marker towards someone during a meeting. He understood why she thought it had been hostile. He hadn't meant it that way. He had apologized. Sincerely. Everyone knew he felt badly. He didn't deny it had happened. The marker-tossing incident was only part of what had triggered Gerald's coaching. His feedback report repeatedly mentioned he also had a habit of interrupting people and that he was getting better. Respondents also expressed much frustration about his inability to put down his phone and that he was getting better. As with the marker incident, he accepted the feedback. He added, I'm glad people notice I'm getting better. I've been working hard to tame the beast. He laughed at himself and continued, That's what I call calming myself down, taming the beast. It sounds intense, I said. Oh, it has been. He took a big breath and then said, When my daughter was a teenager, things were hell at my house. She had so much risky behavior, drugs and brushes with the law. We'd have these big fights. I don't like fighting. I'm not a fighting guy. But I'd find myself yelling at my daughter. She was yelling at me too, but I was out of control. I was up close, spit coming out of my mouth yelling. That was the beast. I knew I should stop, but I couldn't. The beast had hold of me. But things got better, I asked. They did, yeah. Now I can spot the beast when it's just this tiny ember starting to heat up in my gut. When I feel that flame, it's a big alarm to stop whatever I'm doing. So, for now, I think I've tamed the beast. Well, bravo, Gerald, I said. It sounds like you've gotten very mindful. Way to go. <laughs> mindful, he said. I don't think so. Why not, I asked. Well, when I hear mindful, I picture monks and meditation and a kind of peacefulness, but I gotta tell you, taming the beast feels like a constant freaking battle. Oh, I see, I said. Well, I think of mindfulness quite differently. He indicated for me to proceed. Here's how I picture this. I spread my arms wide as if marking a span and said, we're all standing in a flowing stream. The water rushing past us is all the experiences that make up our lives. Most of the time we don't notice the water much because we're busy doing whatever we're doing. But the water is always there. And you can learn to see it. When you learn to see the water, well, then you begin to notice all kinds of things, like that you're doing your email at 10 o'clock at night and eating cookies. And you don't really want to be doing either of those things. And how did that happen? He gave a nod of recognition and said, Or I noticed that I'm screaming at my daughter. Or that you interrupted someone, I added. Or that you picked up your phone. I paused and then said, Gerald, the reason I used the word mindful is because the feedback report says, and you say that all those behaviors, the yelling, the interrupting, the looking at your phone... They've all gotten better. Well, they couldn't have gotten better 
if you weren't noticing them. Noticing them made you mindful, and that allowed things to change. He shook his head. Well, if I got mindful, it's by accident. I gotta be honest, I don't really have a clue what mindfulness is. Oh, I said, well, to start with, mindfulness is a practice. That just means there's no end point. It becomes part of your life. And how do you make it part of your life, he asked. Oh, golly, there are hundreds of ways to be mindful, but in essence, there are two parts. The first part is paying attention mindfully to whatever is happening right now, in the present. That's how you tamed the beast, right? By noticing it. He nodded. I suppose. And the second part? Curiosity and interest, I said. No matter what you notice, you try to be curious and interested. So say I notice that I'm upset. Well, huh, that's interesting, and I'm curious about it. Or I notice that I flipped a marker at someone. Well, huh, that's interesting. I'm curious about that. Yeah, except that I should never have done that. I smiled at him and said, Are you going to should on yourself? He laughed at the phrase, Should on myself. I did, didn't I? I said, Should only shows up when you're looking back at the past or out into the future. He considered that. And being mindful is about being in the present. You got it, I said. So if you're curious and interested, should can't exist. And you can't judge yourself or be wrong or stupid or bad or any of the other names we call ourselves. But how does anything get better if you're just noticing and not judging? I asked, do you think change comes from judging yourself? His response was immediate. Yeah, when I beat myself up, that helps me get better. Well, you're not alone in believing that, that's for sure, Gerald. But let me ask, are you willing to consider that you could achieve the same changes without beating yourself up? Sure, he said. Why not? I'm willing to consider we've been visited by aliens, too. Doesn't mean it's real. I laughed. I was enjoying Gerald. I said, let me tell you what the research says. He asked, there's research on mindfulness? Yeah, mindfulness research is still relatively new, but yes, there are a lot of results, and they all point in the same direction. Which is what? he asked. Well-being, I answered. For example, people who practice as little as five minutes a day for just 30 days report substantial reduction in things like chronic pain, stress, anxiety, and addictive behaviors. To me, five minutes a day for 30 days? Wow, that is a tiny investment for a huge payoff. Yeah, he said, it sounds like it. I went on, other studies show the immune system improves and positive emotions increase. He asked, does that mean people don't get angry as much? Exactly, I said. Well, I'm up for that. I went on, here's a result that stuns me. There was a study done on people who'd been practicing mindfulness for years. Those people had increased gray matter. Think about that. Their brains grew new brain cells. Who wouldn't want to grow their brains? Okay, he said. So how do I do this? Well, there are two different ways to practice, I said. One is just living more mindfully all day long, noticing what you're doing. The other is practicing in a disciplined way. And you can teach me both of those, he asked. 
Well, I can certainly teach you the first, absolutely. As for the second, yeah, I can give you a little taste of it during our sessions, sure. And I can give you some resources, and then it'll be up to you. Fair enough, he said. So with that first way, are you saying I can be more mindful at work? I keep picturing monks and bells. I, I don't see how this fits in at work. I said, well, I bet it's not all that different from what you've already done, Gerald. Tell me, how did you learn to interrupt people less? I started noticing when it happened, he said. And then I noticed it had a feeling attached to it. When I interrupted people, I usually felt impatient, or I was thinking they were stupid, or both. So I taught myself that when I felt that way, I should shut the hell up. Gerald, that is a mindfulness practice. I imagine mindfulness as having three parts, and you've already done two out of the three. I have? <laughs> you have. I raised three fingers and said, The three parts are connected like a triangle. It doesn't matter which one you start with. I ticked each word on my fingers. Mind, body, heart. Those three points are the water rushing by us that we often don't notice. Gerald drew a triangle on his pad and then labeled each point, mind, body, heart. He looked up, ready for definitions. I said, each point has a question attached to it. The question for mind is, what do I think about what I've noticed? The question for body is, what do I sense in my body right now? And the question for heart is, what am I feeling right now? And then he asked, feeling like an emotion, not like feeling in your body, right? Right, I agreed. So let's take interrupting. You noticed that you were feeling impatient. Well, that's heart. And you noticed yourself thinking the person was stupid. That's mind. Did you notice anything in your body? Well, yeah, he said, a little surprised. I did. I would take in a breath and I would hold it. I was ready to start talking. Well, that was body. Do you see how much you noticed? That's being mindful. He laughed. I actually did something like that this morning. I suddenly realized I was pounding my keyboard like I was trying to hurt it. As soon as I noticed, I stopped. What else did you notice? I asked. Well, I didn't have to notice how pissed I was. I knew that. So that's body and heart. What about mind? What were you thinking about what you had noticed? He laughed again, a little sheepishly this time. <laughs> that the beast was back, and I better not send that email. And did you? Send the email? Are you kidding? Of course not. Why not? I asked. Because he stopped and actually considered. And then he spoke slowly. Because it would have been a big mistake in so many ways. But I used to send those sorts of emails. I used to hit send so hard it would rattle the desk. But no more? Oh, he gave a shrug. Not as often. Because you've gotten mindful, Gerald. He nodded. Okay, I see how to do the mind-body-heart thing during the day, but that's different from the discipline practice you were talking about, right? Right. That's the second way to be mindful. So what about that? Well, as I said, there are hundreds of different mindfulness practices out there. They're all good. You can't do them wrong. None of them are going to hurt you. You have lots of choices. I don't know what will feel good to you. What kind of choices are we talking about, he asked. Well, some people prefer mindful movement, like yoga or tai chi. 
Some people practice meditation. Some people practice while walking, choices like that. And then I practice like what, five minutes a day? Well, that would be great, Gerald. Some people do more. Like any discipline, going to the gym or managing your food or whatever it is, the benefits come when you do it regularly. He smiled and said, being mindful about it, right? Exactly, I said. During our coaching, I did some mindfulness exercises with Gerald. He found them pleasurable, but not easy. After one, he said, This feels like one of those minutes-to-learn, lifetime-to-master sort of things. I agreed. I also gave him resources to help him explore different practices. If you'd like to see those resources, I would be happy to send them to you. I'll tell you how to get them in just a minute. Because Gerald had guided himself a good distance down the path of mindfulness, I was certain his continued journey would move him even further towards the look and sound of leadership. The purpose behind this month's episode was twofold. First, I wanted to show that professional and personal development is virtually impossible unless you have some degree of mindfulness. If you aren't able to notice your own behavior, you won't be able to change it. If you want to get even one inch closer to the look and sound of leadership, you simply have to be mindful at least a little. So that was the first purpose, to put mindfulness on your radar not as a would-be-nice item, but as a must-have item. My second purpose was to demystify everyday mindfulness. Being mindful is not anything complex or difficult. It's not something you have to go off on a retreat in order to learn it. It's just noticing what you're doing and then asking those three questions. What am I thinking about what I've noticed? What sensations are in my body right now? What am I feeling right now? And then, no matter what your answers, be curious and interested. Don't judge yourself. When I talked with an executive about this recently, she said that the last part, the not judging herself part, was the part that really tripped her up. Now, this is an incredibly high-performing leader. Her team loves her, her boss adores her, and she beats the crap out of herself. It was an eye-opening moment for her to discover how hard it is for her to grace herself with self-acceptance. And of course, she is not alone. During this episode, I also talked about developing a practice of mindfulness. If you would like to see the resources that I gave to Gerald, send me an email. I would be happy to send them along. You can reach me by going to the Essential Communications website. That's EssentialCom.com, EssentialCom with two Ms.com. At the bottom of every page is a button that says Contact Us. Click that and ask for the mindfulness resources. I would love to share them with you. Longtime listeners will know that many of the techniques and tools that I have talked about over the almost 11 years I've been writing these executive coaching tips have, in one way or another, pointed towards mindfulness. When you're on the Essential Communications website, all the past episodes are in a free archive under the tab called Coaching Tips. When you're in the archive, you can sort the episodes by topics, and one of those topics is personal growth and self-development. As I said, you can't achieve personal growth without being mindful. In that category... 
There are more than 40 coaching tips to help you on your way. Five in particular that you might listen to are getting unstuck, leadership and self-deception, self-knowledge as leadership, self-awareness and self-management, and unmasking a stand-in. Another way to become more mindful is to get coaching. If this is your year to invest in your personal and professional development, I'd love to help. Please reach out to me. I have structured a special coaching engagement just for podcast listeners that has already made a difference for lots of people. I promise, coaching isn't just for the most senior leaders anymore. If you're interested, use the Contact Us button on the website. Tell me you're interested in getting some coaching, and let's see what happens. I promise you will thank yourself. Speaking of thanks, more reviews from the podcast were posted this month. One, written by a newly appointed CEO, read in part, Tom's reinforcement of the consistent work it takes to be a great leader is an absolute must. To that reviewer, and to all of you who leave reviews and ratings, thanks. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>